What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. Um, so first of all, sorry for being late this week. This is going to come out on a Thursday instead of a Wednesday. Um, I get it's a long, boring story. I got sick and just had some crud that was going around, but I'm good now. So uh, finally getting back to it. But uh, this is one I've been holding on to this for a while. Um, it was it's uh, somebody that I recorded with a while back. Um, a nuke that uh, just in email correspondence after the podcast, we uh, were going back and forth and, and I forgot I forgot to respond to it, but I put it on my like topics like to do list basically. And uh, he he asked me this question that I think is really interesting and extremely relevant to like where I'm at, um, because he's asking a question about like a prospective future um, that I'm. I'm I'm basically at like the finish line of of the prospective future that someone like him is considering. And so I'll read the question just so that you get a full understanding of of what I'm going to be talking about and what what he wanted to um, what he wanted to get to the bottom of. But so basically he just said. uh, He said, how would you say is the best way to handle trying to go about doing your job the best way possible after taking six to seven exams to make you six yet feeling like you're staring at the 50 foot wall in your face that is uh, the Naval Nuclear Power Program. And then he said, or just the Navy as a whole. Um, And it's just he just said that like him and his wife had been talking about it. uh, And at the end of uh, his lately, since my current contract has me. So I think at the end of his current contract, he'll be at nine and a half years. And so he's like, I really would love the pension and the benefits, but everything like the stress and um, sacrifices that you make to get to the the end where I am. um, It's like uh, like basically just is is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, is it worth it? Um, And then he said, basically, my big question is what made you stay in and deal with the stress? Um, So it's I think it's I don't I don't I don't know that it's something to answer the first question. uh, Like, I don't know that there's a singular answer or like a way that I could codify it uh, as like this is the reason I stayed in. It was a lot of little things that were very unique to me. Uh, and my life and what was going on in my life and the kind of the things that happened around me. There were a lot of things that happened in my journey that um, just kind of pushed me in one direction or the other that weren't really like me sitting down making a pros and cons list. You know, it was just like where I found myself in my life approaching the decision point. Um, And like so because I talked about it I was getting out at every reenlistment until I was an 11 and a half year chief and I at the 11 and a half year point as a chief I was done I was like I'm not doing this for eight and a half more years or whatever I mean I ended up at 21 but I was just like I I didn't want to go to sea ever again on a submarine I didn't want to be in the navy anymore right Uh, and I was seriously looking into uh, employment and transition and like I was ready and, and I was serious about it. Um, but two things happened to me and this is my, you know, anecdotal experience. Two things happened to me at that, what I'd call a career, like a military career tipping point. 
uh, the first one was so I was pursuing employment as a police officer at the time. I had read a book um, and just I was still. I still had a lot more like energy and and I think I was yeah I was less mature a little more naive um, and I thought I could make a difference and I thought it would be cool and all this stuff and I didn't just want to do it I wanted to do it in like a big city I was looking at like Seattle LA New York stuff like that um, and the I mean for anyone that's a police officer or anyone that knows I mean the employment it, it takes a long time you have to go through this really long screening process to f- even find out you got hired and then you have to do the training and then you have to do everything. So it was like by the time I started, I didn't re- like because I, I hadn't realized that I wouldn't have had time to get employed um, at or near my EAOS. And uh, then I started examining the just the pros and cons type stuff of like I'm a chief at nine and a half years. I'm not going to I'm really far in. I'm not going to make this kind of money or have this kind of benefits to being an entry-level police officer, even with the military experience. Um, but then what really got me, cause I was still ready to get out and just go to school or, or just pursue anything else. I, I was willing to take the risk and I was, I pretty much had my mind made up, but the biggest thing that happened to me, uh, is, is I had a, my season experience, um, looking back, I learned a lot from it. And it wasn't all bad, but while it was happening, like when I was going through chief's initiation, um, I didn't deal with it very well. Like, I mean, I got through it and uh, kind of came around a little bit at the end, maybe. But like I didn't I was pretty angry. Uh, I, I didn't understand a lot of it. Uh, and, and it's because like I've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast is because a lot of it wasn't wasn't either wasn't necessary in my opinion or um was just not as well executed as it could have been but you know there's a lot of context there there's a lot of really busy stressed out chiefs with lives and demands on their time and all this other stuff on the you know on the platform i was on which is like the the hardest most stressful highest op tempo pinnacle of submarining type thing so it's like I mean, you know, for I can forgive them looking back, but like at the time I, I really was just like, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? I didn't. And I had a hard time with that. And there was some other stuff going on where like we were going through an inspection and then the nukes went through like an horse and all this stuff during the chief season while we were at sea. It was, it was super fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, my experience wasn't great at the end of the day. And, and at the time I really had a bad taste in my mouth, which again, with time and context and maturity and you know like just experience as a chief i kind of understand a little a lot more about what was happening then and anyway that's not the topic of this one um but i i the i think it was two yeah because the second season i was a chief like the it's your like your boot year we were underway again but then the last year i was on the ship it was the last season i was going to catch on that submarine um the I volunteered to run the chief season because I didn't like what I saw and I didn't like I, I just thought I could fix it. You know, that's kind of my MO, you know, it's like why I do this podcast. It's it's uh, why I've I've done a lot of the things I've done and done them the way that I've done them. Um, I like fixing things and I like helping and um, and yeah, I mean, I just thought I could add a lot to it and make sure that those selects got a way better experience than me. Um, so 
when I volunteered to do that, I just volunteered to do it for that reason. But when I started doing it, um, I just got addicted to leadership development, you know? And I mean, that was, that would have been like 2013. So almost a decade later, here we are. And I'm talking to you on a leadership (laughs) development podcast. I've been doing for seven years. Um, so that's, that's what kept me in the Navy was I, in, in the, in my analysis at the time, um, I, I was willing to get out, but I knew I was taking a risk and I knew there was going to be some pain during the adjustment period, but I just was like, I need to rip the bandaid off because I didn't have anything on the staying in side of the scale that was important enough to me. Like money's not a big deal. I'll figure it out. Um, the benefits I was still eight and a half years away from blah, blah, blah. So I was just ready to go. I was like, that's fine. I'm done. Um, but then when the chief season thing happened, I was like, I was so cracked out on it that I was just like, I love this. I was like, I want to do this as much as I possibly can. And I, I thought long and hard about like how I could do it as a civilian. And at the time I was like, I can't do this in this way where I'm going to get the type of, uh, reward and just fulfillment that I get from building chiefs. And, and it gave me like a whole new perspective on leading my division and department and everything else. Um, I can't do this like this anywhere else, like on this scale and in this way where I'm going to get that type of fulfillment. And that's what kept me in. Um, it's when you're looking at it at the at that decision point where you're a, a first class that's either on the verge of or currently board eligible um, and you're kind of at that approximately halfway point, um, which is going to become a, a not a real thing with the the blended retirement system once all those people kind of get like once all the the traditional uh retirement people kind of age out um it, that being at the halfway tipping point decision point whatever it's not going to be real anymore you can you stay until you don't want to stay any, anymore which you know I, I don't know how long that's going to last i think their traditional retirement's going to make a uh dramatic comeback because I think they're going to have a huge issue with retention, which we're already seeing with this ridiculous bonuses and stuff. But um, anyway, the, the, as far as like being at that point, like which, which this person is and a lot of other people are. um, And it is a big, it is a big stressful, uncertain time uh, in every career when it, when it comes up, um, doing your job the best way possible i think you can separate uh from the decision point and and that may seem a little confusing because i know um i know what it feels like and, and i've struggled with this like i know what you f- I, I know what you feel like when you kind of decide uh you're not going to be with that organization or on that team or whatever anymore. Um, it's really hard to stay invested in doing the thing. Um, and if you were working in a cubicle, uh, and being paid a salary to do a thing to further the company and you had no like other responsibilities or anything like that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'd be less on fire about it, but in the position when you're a first class, you're, I mean, you're at least influencing people, if not directly supervising people. And that's that's how I would stay uh, dialed in. Like, I can tell you 
it's it's difficult but when like when i was uh in my final job because I'm, I'm on terminal now i mean i'm 16 days away from being actually retired um as i'm recording this i uh I, re- I was working in a cubicle. I, I didn't really have any direct reports. I was going out on submarines and doing inspections. And uh, like I was kind of in some in a in a administrative chain of command for like all the like leading CSs on all the boats and at all the squadrons. But like not re- like sort of, but not really. Uh, my main job was just doing the inspections. I was kind of there as just like a gray beard, you know, like people would come to me with questions ask me to do training you know like um sometimes i would have i would like help out the isics like just put throwing my weight behind them and just you know master chief calls and everybody stands up straight so i do that kind of stuff but other than that i mean the isics took care of everything and i was just there i was just the smi guy um so it was really hard to care like it was really hard because i knew i was retiring i was having a lot of medical issues to be fair i still am um but and then I like we were they we I've talked about a little bit, but like had a lot of unique things happen where like, we were working remotely for a really long time because of covid and then because they were building a skiff and kind of we got voted off the island like we didn't have an office anymore. So we just air quotes worked remotely. So like I was I was like on the roads program, <laughs> you know, like I because it was just like if, if we're not doing inspections, I can't do anything. And then I was on Limdu for a while. So it was just like. I was in the it was like the world was conspiring to uh, allow me to decelerate and and deal with all my issues before I retired. Um, But that's not it's not a a typical situation, right? Where like where where you're at or even if you're you're retiring and like I know guys that have done it off of a boat or they go to our shore duty and it's like a very real shore duty where they have a lot of demands and important like mission related things or submarine support things or whatever to do during their very last job in the Navy. And so it's like, you don't really get to unplug and sail off into the sunset unless your relief's on board. So um, if you're making the decision to like to, to leave the Navy, um, the, the way that I would stay engaged and the way that I would continue to do my job the best way possible is by just caring enough about those people who are going through the same experience as you and that are just earlier on in the process. Um, and my direct sphere of influence as, at any level as a supervisor was always really important to me because my experience was negative for the most part like the first four years in the navy i, I got a la- a good chief for the last like six months of my first boat um and then i lucked out on shore duty which is what kept me in the navy there like i re-enlisted to go to shore duty and like get paid as an e5 and have health insurance to go to college and then i was out and then you know it's a bunch of stuff happened and here i am but um the first boat like i had a really negative experience so then anytime i was in like a, a any type of supervisory position um, like I was running a watch section and then I was an LPO on shore duty. So like I, and then I went back to season LPO and then I made chief and stayed as a chief. So like it, anytime I was in those positions, that direct sphere of influence was really important to me. Like if I could, if I could do nothing else correctly, I was going to make their lives as, you know, like, and I don't even want to say painless cause that's impossible. You know, like given what we do, it's like I was going to filter out as much unnecessary stuff 
and pain and you know like difficulty that i i possibly could i wanted to shield them from stupid things and painful things um and make the experience at like as good as i could you know with the understanding that what we do is really difficult and stressful um so that's that's how i would approach that specifically separating separating that out right so then the 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 other part is is staring at the 50-foot wall as he put it or just kind of looking at the looming second half of that career as just like because you're getting to a point where you you haven't had a lot of real uh power um i'd say a lot of e6s at that point in their career have probably had especially nukes have had a lot of very very real responsibility um, but not always power, right? Like maybe if you're standing engineer and watch supervisor run away, you kind of feel it a little bit, but there's always the chief safety net there where it's kind of like, um, unless you're filling the chief's role as a first class, I guess, but there's always kind of that thing, you know, lo- looming of like, okay, am I going to transition into this khaki role or not? Whether it's as an officer or as a chief, right? Um, and it to to approach that, it's hard to give advice on this. Um, I did do a, uh, a spin the yarn. I mean, this was years ago. It's called um, this one's for you. And it was for a, a CS2 that asked me a really similar question. It was basically asking for advice on whether or not to reenlist. And what I told her, she was one of my A school students. Um, what I told her was basically like, you're amazing. And um extremely talented and you're going to succeed no matter what you do and selfishly i want you to stay in because the navy needs people like you but i want you to do what's best for you you're going to succeed and be amazing at it and i'm going to be proud of you no matter what but the the theme there is it's it's very um Every, every scenario is going to be very tailored to the individual. Um, there's a ton of influences on this decision that you got to kind of like do a really honest analysis of your life, where you are in that life. If you have a spouse, which this, you know, the listener did, um, or does, I guess, um, (laughs) I don't want to put it in past tense. Like they're not still married. I'm confident they are. Um, but it's like you have to they they get a vote you know like because they're if you're moving all around like you're going to drag them all over the country like it the military career has a very real and um stressful and difficult impact on their lives on kids lives everything else you got to like do that analysis and for the majority of my career until i got back uh to where i'm at now it's like it was just me so it's a lot cleaner of a decision making process for me um when i was in virginia which was my second shore duty uh, as a chief at the a school i started dating my now wife and so we did long distance so the the battle was to get back to washington and then i went from a submarine in washington to a shore duty in washington and then retired so like i got very lucky in that regard where up to that point it didn't matter really where i went besides where i wanted to go it didn't matter what i was going to do as long as i was okay with it right so it's it's gonna there's a lot of variables that factor in and that's all like those those are things i'd have to have a lot of really specifics specific details and then i'd probably have to have an actual conversation about all of those things like knowing as much as i could to give sound advice but for me which is what he asked he's like 
like why did I stick around and, and deal with the stress? And like always, it's a complicated answer. So um, like I said, I mean, I stuck around for the leadership development stuff. That was kind of what pushed me over the edge of staying in. Um, but when I went to the A school, so I kind of, I, I know myself well enough to know that I would probably be looking to pull the ripcord after re-enlisting um because like going to see for a third time on a submarine was just like unthinkably painful to me um and when i was at the a school um i really loved that job like it ended up being a a really great duty station i wasn't the biggest fan of living in virginia but like I, i made a lot of really amazing friends and i i enjoyed it um I rested up a lot there. I didn't do college or anything. I was just working a lot. And, but then I would just go to the gym and, uh, and kind of relax and hang out with my friends. Um, but then I, when I reenlisted on my second submarine, I decided I'm like, I'm at 11 and a half years. I'm like, if I reenlist now, I'm reenlisting for six years so that I don't have a choice. You know what I mean? Like if I'm doing this, I'm not going to get to 17 years and then stop because that would be, in my opinion, foolhardy. You know, like it wouldn't make a lot of sense for my my own long term, you know, like the benefits and all that stuff that you the pension and the benefits that he's talking about. Um, So I kind of made it so that I wouldn't have a choice, even though I guess I could quit at 17 years. It's like I I was basically like, I'm not going to do that if I'm that close to a pension. And it would be if I so at 11 and a half years, you do six. I'm I'm at 17 and a half. Like I'm going to I'm going to have to reenlist to go to shore duty to finish my career. So it's like who I I mean, no matter how bad the boat is, it's like shore duties, whatever. So I I knew it would be I I was going to go through. 20 right um so i i did that looking forward just trying to have the foresight of of this i knew it was going to be hard and i knew it was going to be stressful um and then when it like i part of it it, i didn't really understand what what effect um my career was going to have on me and i guess this is a retrospective advice I can give you now that I'm I'm at the end of it um I didn't know the effect that what all the things I was doing was having on me physically mentally blah 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 right um the I got to a point where um it all like I I was on shore duty for six months on this last shore duty and the wheels just fell off the wagon um, in more ways than one. So, I mean, I've, it's, I've talked about it a lot. Like um, I guess in both, uh, both of the things that are the the big issues for me is like the very, obviously like six months in, I, I was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. All I was trying to do is get my, what I believe to be a badly deviated septum fixed. And they found a rare cancerous tumor, uh, my olfactory nerve, which was going growing up into my brain. So I had brain surgery and then I did radiation and all that stuff in the midst of that, which was, yeah, that's pretty stressful. Um, <laughs> the, and, and there's a whole bunch of like tertiary effects now or, uh, after like post-treatment, like the, the sur- the combination of the surgery and radiation, it's like, 
Um, I have the, they call it, I think they call it TMJ. I'm not sure what it stands for, but basically my jaw just screams with pain about three times a day. And I have to like massage my neck and make this weird face to make it go away. Tinnitus, like just intermittent constant, like intermittent loud ringing in my ears just cause I, it was head and neck cancer. So you're getting blasted with radiation. So it just did, it just wreaked havoc on a lot of things. Um, and then during radiation, uh, the way I describe it is like my, my mental health being what it was. It was like 21 years in the military. I mean, at the time I was like, you know, 19, whatever. Um, the, it was kind of like it pulled the pin on the hand grenade, right? Like where I didn't understand what was happening. I was, I was, uh, having a hard time, like, with my mood and uh, controlling my interactions. Like I would just have really like snappy interactions with my wife and other people and all this stuff. So then I like, I'm thinking it's related to the cancer, but then like really what it was, was I, a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't even realize had been festering for 19 years that all just blew up because of this catalyst. Right. And then, um, without going into too much detail because I just don't want to get into it. Um, I had another really traumatic uh, loss of family in February. And so it was, I was just starting to get to a point where I was, I was dealing with everything and seemed to be doing a lot better. And and I was finally sleeping pretty good. And um, I, it just started to get back to some semblance of what you could call normal when that happened. And it just, blew everything uh to shreds and i'm still you know getting past that i had surgery just recently to clean up all the scar tissue in my sinuses so i could breathe better so i could sleep better etc um so the point of of going through all that is is basically i didn't realize while it was happening like what i was giving up like what I was sacrificing as far as physical and mental health goes. Um, there are certainly people that deal with it a lot better than I did, but I, uh, I would say probably, I mean like the, the norm is probably people like me or even worse, right? Where like, I, I know a lot of guys that have had serious medical issues that have disqualified them submarines or they get med boarded out or whatever before they even get to retirement. Um, and looking back um because now i i've had a lot of very real um conversations and and just like realizations and as, as i've been preparing to retire and i went through taps and talked to a bunch of buddies that did it and learned about all these benefits and and have a very good idea of of the benefits that i'm going to be able to take advantage of as a retired master chief and it it is pretty mind-blowing like i'm gonna be in a position where i don't have to work at all if i don't need to like or not need to if i don't want to right um like sure sure will be nice to have all that extra money but it's not something that i have to do um so it feels incredible now um it feels i'm very I, I realize how fortunate I am. I realize that I'm I'm transitioning into this phase of life where I'm going to get to um, take a lot better care of myself, do a lot of things I've been wanting to do for a long time, um, 
pursue other things that I couldn't while I was in the Navy, like my education. I'm, I'm going to go to school to be a psychologist. Um, and it, it, like do a lean really hard in this podcast thing. Like there's just all these things that I'm really, really excited about that. I'm going to have the freedom and ability to do. I'm going to have health insurance like forever. Like I, there's all these incredible benefits, but, um, and looking back because of how important all the the friends experiences the fact that i'm doing this and all the interactions i've had through the the podcast and everything else it's like looking back it's like i don't regret anything except not knowing that i could have done a way better job of taking care of myself um and that's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I could have done about it in the moment unless I could borrow someone's time machine and go back and slap myself around and tell me to do all. Yeah. You know I mean, like I, I don't outside of some impossible fictitious scenario, um, there's nothing I could have done differently that would have made it better. But like, that's the only thing that I just wish I would have been smarter about a lot of things. Um, I wish I would have been smarter with my money. Um, some of that, you know, was just cause I was an idiot and married a not awesome human being. And yeah, they, that ended up terribly. And like, <laughs> it's another story for another podcast. But, um, but then like, I kind of like almost midlife crisis a little bit after that to just cause my life was shitty and I wanted to like do something fun. And so I bought a car I could barely afford and all this other stuff. But and then like, I wish I could have primarily, I wish I could have done a lot more to take care of my physical and mental health, um, which it's great that the organization is starting, starting to very slowly turn that direction and address those things, even though I, I still feel like it's pretty reactive right now, but uh, it's a lot better than it used to be. Uh, <laughs> it's not saying a ton, but like it is what it is. So I guess it's, it's hard to say like, what like why did I do it I did it because I wanted to lead people I wanted to influence people I wanted to be in the position to make the experience less painful than it was for me without understanding that it was still painful to me and that it was going to leave scar tissue that I was probably literally shaving years off my life by continuing uh, I didn't realize that till the bitter end. Um, knowing that, would I if I if I could go back with that knowledge to that decision point, would I do anything differently? Probably not. Um, and I know that's weird too. Um, but only because of how rewarding so much of it was. Like there was a lot of stress and a lot of pain and a lot of. Um, frustration, just mind-bending, uh, mental, like tension or or turmoil or whatever, based on how ridiculous the organization can be, um, how painful they make simple things for no reason, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's like I made a difference. Um, however small um 
I got a lot of fulfillment and enjoyment out of doing what I was able to do and accomplishing what I was able to accomplish. Uh, my father and mother are really proud of me <laughs> for getting to where I am. My dad's a Vietnam vet from the Navy. So like the, it has that extra significance that I'm a master chief. Um, and I, it, it's put me on a path with the podcast, with the pursuit of psychology, with, um, I, I want to either work at a VA or work at a nonprofit helping veterans with mental health stuff. And it's, so it's put me on this path that I'm like, I'm not just excited about it. I'm like really grateful for it. Um, but that's entirely unique to me. And the analysis has to be with the understanding that everybody like this is going to leave a mark on everybody. There's going to be scar tissue for everybody. How, how much, how, how deep it's going to cut. Like I, I, it depends, but you have to understand that there's a cost. Um, and that, that no one escapes unscathed. So you have to go into it with the understanding of like, can I do this? Um, can I do it the way that I, I I'm willing to accept? Like, the, I, can I do it at a level that I'm willing to accept post-mortem? Can I, uh, can I do it in a way where my physical and mental health is going to be sustainable? Cause like, could I go be, go to sea as a cob right now on a submarine? Absolutely. Could I do the job? Yeah, I could. Would I be a dumpster fire inside six months? A hundred percent because I wouldn't, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't, the cost is too high. I wouldn't be able to, to deal with the the uh, price of admission, basically. Um, so you have to that that's what you really have to take the time to analyze. It's like, can you do it and, and do the best job you can of of having foresight and and trying to plan out like what's this realistically going to look like? How do I feel right now? Is it, it's cause it doesn't get easier with, with promotions and positions and all that stuff. It's just a different flavor of, of pain and stress and adversity. Right. Um, it, it's not going to get any less difficult. Um, so you, you kind of got to understand that going in, it's not going to get any less like ridi- unnecessarily ridiculous either. I'd argue that it gets more unnecessary or ridiculous just because the scale and importance of the <laughs> things that you're involved in increases. And, um, anyway, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, God, I'm probably going to title this. It depends because it's just one of those, like, it's going to be very unique to you as an individual. Um, but understand that there is a cost and it's, it's not going to be, it's certainly not going to be nothing, but it's not going to be insignificant. So if you're willing to, to do that, if you're, if you understand it and you're, and you're willing to accept that, because even now knowing everything that happened, like I'm, I don't have any regrets as far as like continuing my career to the point that I did. Um, I'm proud of it. I am happy with it. I'm at peace with everything that happened, even the negative stuff. And, but I'm, I'm, ready to to move on and to do all those things that I'm excited and grateful for. Um I hope that answers the question. I know that was it's it's 
it's not a yes or no thing. It's not a, it's not a, a, a clear cut answer because it's so complicated and very, um, dependent on the individual and the situation that individuals in and what they are willing to accept and not accept. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully it, it, it at least helps you think through it a little bit. Um, if you guys obviously it, about this or anything else, have any questions for me, as always hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM us on Instagram, Reddit or discord at DGUS podcast. If you want to support us, there's a donate button on the website at dguspodcast.com or on the for-profit side of the house. You can go to don't give up the ship apparel, get some Naval pride and heritage gear. You'll actually wear it in public at dguspapparel.com. Uh, I'd really appreciate that. Patreon is imminent. <laughs> I just got all the stickers I needed in. The coins are here. I've got it set up. I've got a couple more things to figure out with the email service, and uh, then that's going to be up and running. And you can support us by uh, following us on or subscribing on YouTube and following us there, and then Patreon uh, when that's launched. So that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't give up the ship. <laughs>